Let's go to the book of Psalms, Psalm 118. Psalm 118, we'll read verse 19 in just a moment. Amen. In June, the Lord directed me to preach to this great congregation a message simply called Essential. And then in July, I preached a message called Reliable. And today's message will be the third and last message in this series on God's Word. And it'll simply be called this, Wonderful, Wonderful. Amen. God's Word is full of wonder. Amen. Full of wonderful, wonderful things. Psalm 118, verse 19, simply a prayer, and it says this, Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Wonderful things. Amen. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. Psalm 119 is the longest psalm we have in the Bible, and sometimes we, we might call it a chapter. It's surely not a chapter at all. It's a song, and it's a very long song. It's a long song because it has... 22 sections because the Hebrew alphabet has 22 letters in it. And so each section represents a letter of the alphabet. Amen. So if you, you multiply 22 times 8 because each section has 8 what we call verses in it, you would have 176 verses in Psalm 119. I think it's interesting that Right there in the middle of the Bible, we have a psalm that declares the wonderful word of God and its greatness. Amen. Some people think that uh, uh, David may have written this psalm. Some people think it might have been someone like the prophet Ezra. Others think it might have been Daniel. And there's a lot of internal evidence pointing to Daniel. Certainly we don't know, do we? Because there's nothing that tells us exactly who Wrote it, But I think, I agree with one professor and one author who said at least when we read Psalm 119, we ought to think, Daniel, as we peruse this sacred text, as we roam around in this portion of the scripture, it would be good for us to at least think, Daniel, because there's a lot of stuff in this psalm that points to the life that Daniel lived. If you lay the book of Daniel beside Psalm 119, there are some similarities at least. Uh, whether that points to the authorship or not, we don't know. But I think it's good. It's good advice for us as we read Psalm 119, for us to at least think Daniel. Because Daniel's life, even though he rose to the a place of leadership uh, in the kingdom in which he found himself in, even though he, he saw great and wonderful things, he was in captivity and other princes came against him. We can see this within the framework of the book of Daniel. Uh, princes coming against him, uh, pushing against him, uh, declaring he's not worthy to be a leader in, in the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar. But we see that this man, Daniel, had some, something within him, a spirit within him that did not rise up in Daniel himself, but came from his great love and admiration and awe of the word of God and then also the God of the word. We can see this throughout Daniel's life and the testings that he found himself in. 
Daniel's great awe of God's word shone through. Amen. God's word is, if we might say it this way, a treasure map. It's a treasure map, and it leads us to the greatest treasure that we'll ever have. It is a wonder-filled text that leads us to this wonderful God that we get to know and have a relationship with. Oh, how many of you are thankful uh, this morning for the great and wonderful word of God that we hold in our hands and we can, we can memorize and put in our heart and let it etch its principles on our heart so that it might change the way we live and who we are by the word of God that we might be partakers of the divine nature of God. Amen. That we might know him and walk with him. Amen. This is why when we read Matthew chapter 13 and Jesus' parables in there, as we look at the parable that we call the parable of the hidden treasure, verse 44 of Matthew 13 simply says this, Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid. And for the joy over it goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Amen. Now I know someone's asked, does, is this, does this passage or this uh, parable point to Jesus? Is Jesus the man who finds the treasure in the field? Is he the one that goes and buys, sells everything he has and buys that field? Yes, I believe that he is. Well, someone asked, well, what about uh, is the man who finds the treasure, is that us? Is that the church? Is that the believers? Are we the ones who go and sell all that we have and buy that field because of the treasure? And I would say, yes. Yes. I think both are true. Because here's, here's the principle, folks. Uh, God is pursuing us. God loves us. He has given everything he had for us. And we must return that kind of love. We must forsake everything else for him and him alone. We must love him more than anything else. This is what Jesus declared. If many man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. We've got to love God first and utmost. Amen. And I believe I'm among a, a, a group of people who love God. Your, your heart is for the, for the things of God. You love God. So he... Uh, is not only seeking us, but we are seeking him. He is this wonderful treasure. There was a treasure found in Poland a few years ago, back in the mid-80s. It's called the Schroeder treasure, and it's one of the most uh, expensive treasures, uh, valuable treasures ever found, worth uh, val valued at over $120 million. It was found by accident. They weren't looking for it. They were doing some renovations, and they uncovered this treasure, silver and gold coins. It was found in Schroda, Slaska, Poland. Gold jewelry, royal regalia, and precious stones, $120 million. There's been books and movies written about treasure hunting. There's something within the nature of man that wants to find a treasure. You did it as a kid, I'm sure. I know I did. Make up fake treasure maps and hide them in places and go on treasure hunts. You know, there are people who are, are spending all their money, all their wealth, in that elusive hunt for a treasure that they might find. 
uh, treasure maps. There are treasure maps that people are still using that are hundreds of years old. They're trying to find the location of a great treasure. Well, I tell you, you have in your hands, if you've got your Bible with you today, you have in your hands a great treasure map. Oh, and it leads us straight to the heart of God. The greatest treasure any man can know and have is the treasure that when we find God, we found the treasure. Amen. It's a treasure hidden in the field, and we can, we can find that God will lead us to it. It is his great, great word. This wonderful psalm, Psalm 119, this verse that we read this morning in verse number 18. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things out of your law. I'm thankful that the word of God is essential. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God I am so thankful that I have the essential word of God at my disposal, that I can have it and use it. I need it. I've got to have it. I can't live. I can't live without it. I'm so glad that God's word is reliable. Oh, thank goodness. Heaven and earth will pass away. This is what Jesus said. He's quoting from Isaiah 40. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word will stand forever. Forever. I'm so thankful that it is reliable. It's a sure and steadfast anchor for the soul. This hope that the word of God brings to us, settles us and strengthens us and gives us steadfastness. Thank God for the word that is reliable. But I am also so very thankful that it is wonderful. Full of wonder. There are some foods that are essential. They're reliable in delivering to my body nutrients that I need. But they're not wonderful. They're not. Green peas? Oh, man. No. No, thank you. No, thank you. Not just no, but no, 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 no. Absolutely not. I'm not going to eat those. I know, I've got some believers in the house, some green pea believers. I just don't like them. And maybe it was because my mother made me eat them when I was a child. And I've got some post-traumatic stress (laughs) regarding those peas. They're not wonderful. Spinach is another, yeah. Spinach is okay. Broccoli, hmm. Okay, I'll eat it because I know it's good for me. Avocados. I'll eat them because I know they're good for me. They're not wonderful. No, not to me. I know know maybe some some of you are, you think it's wonderful. Amen. But there there are some foods that are not wonderful. Now, there are some foods that are wonderful. Oh, yes, yes, some foods that are Wonderful. How about a good, juicy steak? Anybody ready for a steak after service? Come on. Wonderful. I had my brother-in-law. We were with my sister and family uh, a couple of days this week, and he grilled some steaks on the grill, and they were wonderful. They really were. Wonderful. Absolutely. 
give me a good sweet potato. You don't have to put anything on it. No, no sugar on it. I don't want any of that on it because it's already sweet enough. Maybe a little butter, but it's good like it is. Sweet potatoes, wonderful. I, we purchased some potatoes at the store the other day, and they were wrapped in this real thick plastic, and they said you could bake them in the microwave. That's the craziest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Any of you ever eaten a baked potato from the microwave? Not wonderful. No. No. No, not wonderful. Mm. No. Slow cook it in the oven at about 450, 475 for about an hour. Maybe an hour and a half. That's wonderful. Amen. Sweet potato, baked potato. Amen. But you know what? Uh, we use the word wonderful to describe things, and I think that's okay. But, but we need to ratchet up our understanding when we talk about God's word. Because it truly, it truly is full of wonder. Amen. Now, I know, I know some of you are saying, I'm not sure. And you know what? It's okay to be there. You know, to just not, I'm not sure. Hopefully this message is going to help you, though, because I guarantee you, if you will get in this book and start to love this book and read this book, it will become wonderful to you. It's okay to be where you, you may be right now. I'm not just so sure. I'm not convinced, but I promise you that God's word is full, really truly is full of wonder. It will help you and grow your, uh, your faith in him. So that's the first thing that we've got to realize. This is what... Psalm 119, verse 18 is telling us, God's word is full of wonder. Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Wonderful things. It is a value is greater than any hidden treasure that anyone could ever find. This is why the psalmist said in Psalm 145, verses one through four, and this you ought to take time to read Psalm one one forty five. If you get if you're taking notes right now, you ought to put that down on, on your paper and and take some time this week read the whole Psalm Psalm one forty five. We won't take time this morning to read it all, but it's it is wonderful. It speaks of God's majesty and His love. It's a, a Psalm of David. Listen to what he said: I will extol you. My God, O King, I will bless your name forever and ever. Amen. Someone said to me a, a, a while back, I don't know what to pray sometimes. Well, here's a good place to start. Get into a psalm like this and begin to pray it. He said, every day I will bless you and I will praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. And his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Amen. Your wonderful works, oh Lord, oh God, are good. Amen. Amen. Hey, parents, parents, adults in the building this morning, you want to you wanna find a, a job description? You need something to tell you what your life should be all about? Look at Psalm 145, verse 4. One generation shall praise your works to another and shall declare your mighty 
acts. Oh, come on, parents. We can talk about a lot of things, but we ought to be talking about the wonderful works of God. We ought to be able to bring it up in conversation on a regular basis, talking about the wonderful works of God. Oh, come on, teenagers. Come on, hyphen. Come on, children. We can, we can talk about the wonderful acts of God, His wonderful works in our lives, what He has done in our lives. Amen. Amen. You ought to be keeping a journal, folks. Look, listen, you ought to be writing some of these things down, what God's done in your life, so that you don't forget them. One author said it this way, and I like it. He said, the shortest pencil is longer than the longest memory. In other words, if you take time to write it down, you won't easily forget it. There's some things God has done in our lives. Amen. Amen. I've decided, as I've been studying for this message that the rest of my life, God help me, that the rest of my life will be Psalm 145, 4. I'm going to declare the wonderful works of God. I'm not going to forget His goodness. I'm not going to discount His miracles. I'm not going to discount His provision in my life. And I'm going to speak of it. Lord, help us all to take that on as a mission statement that we will declare the wonderful works of God in our lives. Isaiah Spoke it this way in Isaiah 40, uh, verses 21 through 22, 25 through 26, 28 through 31. I know it's a long portion of Scripture, but listen to this. Listen to the words of Isaiah, backing up what David has already said. Have you not known? Have you not heard? Has it not been told to you from be the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundation of the earth? It is he who sits upon the circle of the earth and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers who stretches out the heavens like a curtain and spreads them out like a tent to dwell in. What beautiful language describing the greatness of our God. Verse 25, to whom then will you liken me, God asked, or to whom shall I be equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who has created these things. Who brings them out their host by number. He calls them by name. By the greatness of his might and the strength of his power. And not one of them is missing. Have you not known? Have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? Hey, you may, have thinking he's, you may be thinking he's forgotten you, but he hasn't. He's not weary. His understanding is unsearchable. And this is what he does for us. He gives power to the weak and to those who have no might. He increases strength, even the youth. Those who are young in their bodies are going to get faint and get weary. The young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. Come on in the building this morning right now. There's some people who need some strength. Come on, wait on the Lord. He's going to give you strength. He's going to renew your strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is the kind of God that we serve. This is the kind of God whose word we have, whose word leads us to Him, knowing Him and who He is and His greatness and His might. Amen. 
these portions of scripture are like glasses we need to put on our eyes that we need to see the world through this book we don't need to see this book through this world come on folks we don't need to judge what God is and who he is based on the culture in which we live we need to base our understanding of the culture in which we live upon this great book because it is wonderful. It's full of wonder. It's full of wonder. Amen. Oh God, give us a world view that is filtered through your word. Oh, give us convictions that come from your word and not what society said is, is okay and not what society says is normal. Oh God, give us convictions built on this book. Amen. Come on, young people. You live in a world that tells you to live a certain way and it's okay. I'm telling you, God's word declares it. Romans 1 tells us that because they didn't want to honor God, they didn't want to hold a knowledge of Him in their minds, they turned away from God and worshiped creation instead of the Creator. And I'm telling you, love creation. Know that creation is, is the handy work of God, but let it be a sign toward God and not a, a sign away from God. Not something to be worshipped as you stand on the precipice of the Grand Canyon. It makes you understand God's greatness. You hear the roar of the Niagara Falls. You're reminded of God's greatness. A few years ago, we got the privilege of flying over the Swiss Alps. And what a great wonder that was. Awesome. But it should remind us, those things should remind us of God's greatness. Amen. Our problem is, is we start getting in awe of ourselves, in awe of culture, awe of the world, awe of man, what man has done. Amen. The Tower of Babel is set in juxtaposition of a man named Abraham. What God is showing us is that we can, we can endeavor to do something great for ourselves. We can join in with the, the world and say we're going to create some great things. We're going to do some things. We're going we're to go here and we're going to accomplish this and we're not going to accomplish that. We're going to build a name for ourselves. Or we can, like Abraham, say, Okay, God, where do you want me to go? I'm going to follow you. I'm going to follow you. Okay, I don't have to know everything. I know it took a while for Abraham to get this. But he shows us this understanding of the just live by faith. We walk by faith, not by sight. His life shows us that we don't have to know everything to follow God. I declare to you this morning again that we don't want a God who we can control. We want a God who is in control. Amen. We want a God who's in control. And his word declares to us that he is wonderful. Listen, what, listen to what Moses said about God after he, he helped Israel triumph over Pharaoh and his army. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? Doing wonders. Amen. You ought to put Exodus 15 on your read list. 
filter the society in which we live through that portion of Scripture as well. Psalm 107, four times in this psalm, uh, the writer of psalm, which most people think is David, says this, Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works toward the children of men. Oh, that we would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Amen. That is why Daniel, why Daniel could, finding himself in a foreign kingdom where God was not worshipped, God's word was not declared and honored, he found himself there. And when they offered him the king's meat, he was able to say, no, I will not eat this. He was able to refuse. He had purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with that portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank, because he had God's word in his heart. That wonderful word. He was able to refuse what was expected of him, and the three other Hebrews with him because of God's wonderful, wonderful word. You see, God's word gives us the ability to be strong. Amen. And to refuse the things of this world when we know it. We can memorize stats on so many things. I think that's good and it's okay. But folks, we need to be putting God's word in our heart. If there's a treasure that we're searching for, it ought to be God's word. Amen. If there's a treasure we're longing for and trying to find, it ought to be the God of this word. Amen. Not only is God's word wonderful, it is also something that we cannot understand without God's help. We need God to open our eyes to see the wonder. And see, that's where sometimes we have trouble because we think we can just open up the Bible and start understanding it immediately as we read it. And certainly, you know, we need to understand the language. We need to understand the culture in which it was written. All those things are the history behind it, how those words were used in history, how they're, how they're used grammatically. All those things matter. Thankful for all the tools that we have at our disposal these days. But we need God to help us because we're blind. We're blind. Naturally, we're blind. We can't see what God wants to show us. We're blinded by it, the truth of God's word. Because our nature is to, to see it from, from a human standpoint. And God is trying to declare something to us of eternal value. Amen. We are blind to it. And that's why the psalmist, possibly Daniel, wrote and said, Open my eyes that I may behold. Because I don't see it right now. I think it's encouraging for someone like Daniel to, to say, Lord, I don't, I don't understand. Or someone like David or whoever wrote this. I think it's encouraging for someone from the scriptures to admit they can't understand God's word by themselves. Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things out of your law. Amen. This was Elisha's prayer for his servant. The servant stepped out one morning. And saw the armies coming against Israel. And he got scared. 
And sometimes we can look at our circumstances, right? We can step out into our life and, and look at the circumstances and things that are coming against us and it can cause us to fear the disease or the, the situation in which we're, we're, at, we're at and the, the problems, relational issues that we see. And it can cause us to fear. And this is why Elisha prayed that the eyes of the serv- his servant would be opened. And when they were, he saw the host of heaven, the chariots and angels that were fighting with Israel. We need to be able to see some things that we can't see naturally. If all I'm seeing is what I can see, then I am not seeing all that can be seen. Because I need somebody to show me something. I need God to open my eyes. I need to see something. When I'm finding myself facing a disease, I need God to show me something. I need God to show up. I need God to help me. And he is faithful. Amen. He is faithful. Amen. Daniel found himself in the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar. And God was doing some things in the life of this king. Don't have time to talk about it all, but the, the, the image that this king saw predicted the world uh, uh, powers, the kingdoms that will be set up. And then at the very end of, of this story and what happens at the end of this story is what we need to hear and what we need to believe and understand. It helps us get a better look at society. It gives us a better world view. Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar because Nebuchadnezzar was saying, uh, are you able to interpret this dream? Are you able to tell me the dream and able to terp- interpret it? And Daniel told him, look, I can't do it. But he said, there is a God in heaven who reveals secrets. Amen. Come on, don't let any of us take credit for what God is doing. Let's always point to him. It is God and what he is doing. And this is what Daniel did. He refused not only to eat the king's meat, but he refused to take the credit for what God was doing. He pointed to God. Amen. He pointed to God. He refused to take the credit. Nebuchadnezzar got lifted up in himself. And real quickly as we see what Nebuchadnezzar did, God gave him a vision of what was going to happen. One of these days you're going to eat grass like a cow. He, he must have forgotten the vision because the Bible tells us a year later, he looked out at his kingdom and said, look what I have done. Oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, look what I have created. What I've, what I've done. And the Bible tells us, as the words were in his mouth, as he was giving himself all those compliments, he fell to the earth and started eating grass like a cow. Amen. Let me tell you, we don't have to be God. Amen. That job's already taken. What we can be is the best person that we are. We can be. I had a pastor say one time, Larry, you might as, well be, might as well be the best you that you can be because everybody else is taken. And you know he's right. Why do we try to be somebody else? Let's be ourselves and allow God to help us. Real quickly, the third thing that we, we learned from this psalm, we learned that, first of all, that God's word is wonderful. Second of all, we can't understand it without his help. And thirdly, we must pray. For God to open 
our understanding. It is only him that can illuminate our mind. So as we read his word, we must pray for his help. This verse is a prayer. It's not enough for me to know that God's word is wonderful. It's not enough for me to understand that God has to open my eyes. I must pray for understanding. I must wrestle with God's word. Some of it is easily, more easily understood than others. But I must wrestle with God's word so that I might understand it. Amen. And not only that I might understand it for myself, but that I may be someone who opens, through the Spirit of God, opens other people's eyes. Amen. Every one of us ought to be Bible teachers. Every one of us. Amen. Every one of us ought to be missionaries, going wherever we go, full of the wonder of God and his greatness. Amen. Even though they came against Daniel and told him not to pray, he kept on praying. Amen. Someone introduced me to this term. I, I rejected it at first, but then I began to consider it. Christian atheism. Christian atheism. I thought, that can't be true. It's not possible for someone to be a Christian atheist. Well, let me ask you, is it possible to know God exists? This is what Hebrews 11.6 says. Without faith it is impossible to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Amen. The truth of God, God's existence can't just rest in my mind and in my belief system right here. Because if he does exist, and he does, then I must, with my life, go on this diligent search for him. I must uh, choose to go find out about him and know him. And his wonderful word is what declares him to me. So if I believe that he exists, I'm going to be in this word. I'm going to be driven to this word to find out more about him. I'm not going to lay this aside and just say, well, I know everything I know about God's word because I need to get on this journey toward him. Because here's the thing, just knowledge of God in this sense, this mental assent that God exists is not enough. I must respond to that knowledge. Because the only logical, the only logical response to this fact that God exists is that I go on this diligent search for him and who he is and to find out about him because he is wonderful and his word is full of wonder. His word is full of wonder. Amen. I don't want to be someone who doesn't let the truth of God's word changed my life. Come on. Uh, knowing about God needs to change the way I live. It needs to change the way I talk. It needs to change where I go. It needs to change how I dress. It needs to change my uh, priorities, my values. 
Because I'm getting in the word of God. Amen. I need to get into God's word and know. Know him. Daniel 11.32 simply says this. It's talking about the, the time in which Daniel was living, but it can be certainly applied to us. Those who do wickedly against the covenant, he shall corrupt with flattery. So in a time of wickedness and corruption is where Daniel lived. It is where we live today. No one can debate that for sure. But this last portion of this verse is what I want to point to this morning as I close. But the people who do know their God shall be strong and carry out great exploits. Could it be that our faithlessness is caused by the fact that we do not agree with the fact that God's word is wonderful? That it has not affected our lifestyle. That it has not affected our value system enough. Because the people that do know their God, Daniel declares, shall be strong. Shall be strong. Shall be strong. And do carry out great exploits. Know God. Be strong. Do great things. Amen. I am thankful for this treasure map he's given me. Would you stand with me right now? Here's what I want you to do. If you've got your Bible with you, and I would encourage you, I know sometimes it's not convenient, but I would encourage you to bring, bring a Bible with you. If you've got it on a device, that's okay, but I, I, I think you're going to have to uh, sanctify that device. Amen. All right, sanctify it, because you don't want your device going to things and viewing things that are not godly and then opening up God's word on it as well. You don't want that device to serve as a distraction when you're trying to get into God's word. So I can't, I can't search Facebook on this. Thank goodness. Nothing wrong with, I'm not being, uh, I'm not hating on social media. I'm just saying we need to get focused on God's word. If you got your Bible, get it in your hand if you would. If you've got it on a device, put that device in your hand. And let's pray this prayer that the psalmist prayed. Open my eyes that I may behold wonderful things.